we buy into this mindset that in that oh the world's so bad and it's evil and the world the flesh the devil and all that is true right but the that there's there there is evil in the world today but if we don't see the goodness of the mm-hmm. world we actually and we're that not going to and bless that it's god's world it's, it's not yeah. biden's world mm-hmm. it's not the left's world it's yeah. not even uh, satan's world even though he's mm-hmm. the prince of the world but mm-hmm. and, and he god says, is god is sovereign Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Demite. I'll be your host today, and I'm joined here in studio with Mr. Aaron Richards. Oh, yes, the, the punch. That's always weird, yes. <laughs> hello, yes. hello. Mr. Hey. Brad Pierron, and we have a special guest today, Matt Fred. Welcome, yeah. welcome, welcome. welcome. Awesome. Matt Fred, you're the host of Pints with Aquinas, so we're excited mm-hmm. to have you here. And, uh, uh, you know, I've got two bubbling questions on my heart, Matt. First of all, I'm wondering who has the best Australian accent in, mm. in Catholic speaking in America? Is it you or is it Matthew Kelly? Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, what, would, what, would, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I've heard Matthew say in front of an audience he has the best accent in America. Does so yeah, it seems like fighting well, words there. Yeah, whenever I speak to my mum, she says that I don't have an accent or that I'm losing it. And her mm. words are, you sound like a yank. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, That's dangerous. I, I think there's a progression of the accent. When I first came here, I liked that I was different. I liked mm-hmm. that people liked my accent. And so I would speak and ham it up a little. But after a while, you get tired of people misunderstanding you. So, <laughs> sure. so you have to start pronouncing more properly. And I think that's the slippery slope to sounding less Australian. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is definitely the slippery slope. And then, of course, the next question is why Aquinas? Like, what's your so your podcast is Pints with Aquinas. What is the what's the passion behind why yeah. you chose uh, Aquinas as your patron? I was doing my master's degree in philosophy and was studying a lot of Aquinas and was looking for a topic for a podcast back in 2015 when I think there may have been three other Catholic podcasts. <laughs> and I thought, well, I won't run out of content if I choose Aquinas because he addresses sure. almost <laughs> every, every topic. Every topic. Yeah. That's so awesome. that was primarily, I, I love how clear he is. I like how he would steel man his opponent's arguments before responding. And so just thought mm-hmm. that would be a fun thing to do. That's yeah. great. I yeah. love that. Well, thank you. Well, and our, our patron here is... St. Paul. So Mm. the reason we do our show the way we do is because we want to imitate the ministry of St. Paul who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus and Mm -hmm. then was propelled into a life of mission. And it would be really sad if we lived this life of Christianity where we encountered God and it just ended there, right? Mm-hmm. And that that the encounter with God changed my life, but then it didn't propel me into a life where I lived my life to change other lives. Mm-hmm. And so this this podcast, our hope is that we would bless people to live a missional life in the church. Brad, can you open us up with prayer? I can, yeah, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of this day. Thank you so much for the gift of the saints that have gone before us, like St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Mm-hmm. Paul. Thank you for all the ways they've paved a way for us to live radically for you. We pray that today, as we speak about the topics that we address during this show, that you would inspire us and all listening to continue to live the life of faith in an, uh, in a lively way, God. And we pray that it would begin here this day and continue each day here forward. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. So we're going to talk today about just kind of living in a countercultural way. Mm-hmm. Um, and but before that, I thought we could just share a little bit about kind of what God, what God's doing in our heart right now. Like mm-hmm. how is God blessing us? What's he, What's He been speaking in our prayer time? Yeah. And and what's like on our mind and our heart? Aaron, you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we also got the windows open today in the studio, so we've got some <laughs> some pollen things, coming. Things in. <laughs> it's organic, you know. Uh, I, you know, we the last few shows we've we've offered we've we sort of set the foundation that, that we're sitting right in the middle of our equip conference and today is actually the kickoff of our very first week of Catholic youth summer camp here this year that word that um, Dan you were you were speaking earlier in terms of our patronage just last night we had an opportunity to to celebrate liturgy with our brand new Bishop Earl Fernandez yeah and um, we, we had a there was a kind of a um, missionary commissioning that 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 we engaged in and I, I think that the Lord's really just been renewing my spirit when it comes to the expectation of what the Holy Spirit can do in the heart of a missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing that in my family. I'm seeing that in my own life. Uh, you know, I, I had the opportunity to give a, to give a teaching a couple weeks ago about kind of the different ways that the Holy Spirit's moved that's pushed me to a new place in my life. And I'm just, I'm ready for another move. Yeah. Uh, I'm ready for another move of the Holy Spirit to, to redefine um, a moment. And mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like that's what he's about, kind of in our mission corporately and in my own life personally. Mm-hmm. What do you think he's going to do? You, you can only look <laughs> in retrospect. I predict the Holy Spirit is going to do this in my life. That was good. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, my our friend Matt Schlater invited us on a on a process called um, Above the Line uh, with a with mm-hmm. a program called Heart Styles, and there was an exercise in there where you tried to look at the like seven year increments in your life to determine what action God was accomplishing. And I sort of went through that process in my teaching on on the work of the Holy Spirit in my own life to look mm-hmm. at like big chunks of time when I've encountered him and what he's done and what he said. Mm-hmm. And it was just really profound to see uh, the kind of the transformation from, from fear into mission uh, when I was in high school, and then from a place of kind of control to a place of surrender. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from a place of sort of like just burnout to a place of, of extravagance. That's and sweet. I can't wait for more. If I'm predicting when you last, like the last seven years, you're starting a new seven-year Sabbathin right here, right? Hey. <laughs> That's awesome. I was, well, I was actually laughing because this is the seventh year we've had a missionary program at Damascus, That's interestingly funny. enough. So if we look at that seven-year chunk, I think there's just so much that the Lord's been yeah. um, bringing into my heart as we enter into that seventh year. I think one thing that's been happening to me in prayer is this reflection on the ever-ancient and the ever-new aspects of the church, that, that the church has always been... Um, just the remedy and the difference that the world needs to be different. So like when we look at the the world in the early times of the church, the church brought something different that then changed the world, right? And then over every generation, you look at the generations of saints, you look at the generations of missionaries. And in every season, the church produces people that look different and that brings difference into the world. And when I look at the world today, I am just so excited for people like the missionaries that have said yes to Catholic Youth Summer Camp this summer, for people that'll be like listening to this podcast that are seeking out the Lord, because when we encounter the Lord and his total otherness, right, totaliter aliter, if we're going the Aquinas route, like we begin looking different. Like in the world, when it sees that difference, it's drawn to wonder what could be different, right? And not in the way of like, let's reinvent everything. Let's throw all of the 
ancient out just for the sake of the new, but rather that in the beauty of the church, she's always been ever ancient and ever new, that she always goes back to the roots, which were radically different people living a radically joyful life and a life fully given over to the Lord. And so, I don't know, as we enter into the seventh year, I'm just looking at the world today and looking at the young adults that are coming to serve here and looking at the young adults that listen to podcasts like this. And I'm just excited for the way that the Lord is raising up uh, a new generation of saints, that we're not um, reinventing anything today, but we're rediscovering what God has always been doing in the church and what he needs to do through us for the sake of the world in the 21st century. So That's awesome. One of the missionaries came up to me this past week and they're like, Dan, how do you do it? And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, how do you, how do you live this lifestyle consistently year mm-hmm. after year when the world is so hostile to it? And she, she was like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm scared to leave this place. And it was just, you know, I was like, no, it's, it's when you're not here, it's actually better, it's better. because the light mm-hmm. shines so beautifully in the darkness mm-hmm. and the darker the world gets, it's just like the people are captivated by mm-hmm. that. It's mm-hmm. not, the world isn't, it's not scary. It's not like evil. It's it's just it's it's our vineyard that we get to shine the light of mm-hmm. Christ. And if if we go knowing that the light of the Holy Spirit is is beautifully mm-hmm. different, like yes. you're saying, Brad. Yeah. And we, we don't have to fear anything. Yeah. Well, and it will draw attention. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not to say that that attention cannot sometimes come with I don't know condemning words or um, yeah. frustrated looks, but that difference. That that's actually evidence that it's looking different. Yeah. And again, we don't want to get to a place where we're just looking for conflict or anything like that. But I do want to go out and live in such a way where you have to wonder, what's the reason for the hope within me? Yeah. What's the reason for the joy that this person's carrying on a day when a lot of people are frustrated or in a um, society that seems to be uh, in division? Why do you always in like insist on unity, right? Yeah. Like those different little, I don't know, yeah. mechanisms that help the world see that the church has something to offer. And I think what the church has to offer is a, a radical unity in a time of great division. Amen. Yeah. Now what's the Lord doing in your heart right now? Yeah, I think lately I've been trying to abandon myself and my situation and all the complexities of my life to divine providence and mm. not just accept the Lord's will, mm. but to not just to accept it in the sense of laying down, but pressing into it. Um, yeah, that's that's a difficult thing. Uh, Jacques Philippe, I'm sure we're all yeah. fans. Uh, he wrote a little book called uh, "Searching for and Maintaining Peace," mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. it, he talks about prior to our conversion, we often want the wrong thing in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. After our conversion, we then want the right thing, but often in the wrong way. So we're very anxious that our children should act in a certain way, or come into a deeper relationship with Christ, or we want our marriage a certain way, or whatever it might be. But um, really what we want to be doing is wanting the right thing in the right way, in a peaceful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just sort of surrendering all of the frustrations of my day to our Lord, the frustrations of um, my own sin and my own inadequacies, mm-hmm. joyfully, understanding that I'm a delight to Jesus mm-hmm. and that uh, even when I sin, I can be a source of delight to Jesus because uh, it's Jesus' job to save. Yeah. And so surely... Mm-hmm it's a delight to him to save. <laughs> and so I get to be a pure delight to our Lord. So that's been a real, that's something I'm trying to live in. I love that. That's they, such a good word. You can pursue striving to do the right thing in the right way your entire life, right? Like that, <laughs> it is amazing because so often you're thinking, I'm doing it the right way. And then God gives you a revelation that, oh shoot, this has been the wrong yeah. way. Like, well, and that message I had the right desire, but. The, yeah. yeah. Well, in the message of surrender. They're like, I, I, don't, I don't know the way. Mm-hmm. 
un- unless I fully know Jesus, who is the way. Like yeah. it's not, I can't like summon up within myself the, yeah. the best way to live the way that our Lord has been asking me yeah. to, but it's actually in staying in relationship with him, surrendering things unto him that well, I begin. You said with your children, that's where my wife and I see that all the time where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, are we, do we want our children to behave in public because we're actually raising our children properly and we, we love them and we're helping to guide them in the life that they're called to live? Or are we just concerned about pe- what people think about us when they see our children <laughs> in public? And then all of a sudden, like, there's the right intention. You want your children to grow in virtue and, mm-hmm. and holiness every day. But then yeah. it's also like, well, wait, actually, I'm just trying to mold their behavior mm-hmm. right into what I want so that people don't think that we're mm-hmm. crazy, you mm-hmm. know? And that, yeah. that happens all the time. I think what the Lord's been speaking on <laughs> my heart a lot lately is just, just this like, man, I love community and to do, to do ministry, to do this, I like to live encounter meeting mission by myself, um, isn't God's design. It's not his, Mm -hmm. his purpose, his desire, but it becomes so much easier. Both encounter and mission become easier and more delightful when we're together. Right. Mm -hmm. That, Mm -hmm. that in a sense, like I, I, I do, and I have to learn how to encounter God by myself in the solitude, that quiet place, the, the inner chamber of the prayer room. Right. But the, um, but the Lord also wants us to encounter him with, within his body. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then to do mission, especially in the world today, that it becomes delightful, easy to be a part of a winning army and to be a part of a winning team. Uh, but it, it's painful and broken just to be alone. We've mm-hmm. been reflecting mm-hmm. a lot during as we prepare our missionaries on the Acts of the Apostles and just this uh, the the idea of the communal life of the apostles. It was a deep community that was. Um, bound together mm-hmm. but mission oriented right that they they were they they were linked together in a supernatural way but their focus mm-hmm. was the transformation of the world and mm-hmm. i think sometimes it's, we we run the risk of when we talk about community oh we, we got community and instead of actually being bound together in a supernatural way for the sake of transforming the world mm-hmm. we're just bound together running away from the world mm-hmm. and it's like wait i don't think that was god's design for the church and mm-hmm. so well, we're going to talk about kind of living countercultural today, mm-hmm. and, and what, what where's the issues with the world? How do we approach the the? How do we personally live countercultural? Maybe Matt, for those who don't know you, before we jump into that, could you share a little bit? I found out last night we met our wives in the same way. So <laughs> Matt, you met your wife as uh, serving as missionaries with Net Ministries. I yeah. met my wife serving as a missionaries with Net. What's so the word for Net? If you're looking, if you're a young adult, you're looking for a future spouse, check out Net Ministries, <laughs> netusa.org or damascus.net. No, uh, but what it, so we, we've met our spouses almost the same exact year too, 2004. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty fun. But who are you? Where'd you encounter Jesus and what led you to a life of mission? Well, What's great about Net is uh, the recruiters vet everybody for you, mm-hmm. so you know <laughs> yeah, that that's true. most yeah. people you know, there's are, yeah. Yeah. They have interviews, multiple yeah. interviews. Yeah, They're willing they to pray every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was raised in Port Perry, South Australia, a small country town. Um, but at the age of seventeen, my parents invited me to go on a trip to World Youth Day in Rome. Nice. You weren't there, were you? No. Yeah. What, uh, what year was that? Two thousand. Two thousand. Okay. Mm. So I went as a sort of agnostic mm-hmm. and encountered the Lord there in a very powerful way and nice. came back Lord home God. like one of those Christians who's so happy it makes you sick. Yeah. <laughs> what was the encounter moment? What, what it, was it the, the vastness? Was it John Paul II? Mm-hmm. What was it? I think it was a series of things. I, I had a lot of objections to Christianity and uh, 
flying from Sydney to, to Rome, you know, including stopovers, that's well over 20 hours, you know. Oh, yeah. So I had a lot of time to meet these strange creatures called young Catholic Christians because <laughs> I hadn't met them before, you know. Yeah. I was from a small... They're normal. They, well, they were normal. <laughs> but different. <laughs> normal and uh, so I was just fascinated by them, by their joy, mm-hmm. by their intelligence and I had many questions and they seemed to love me very well and not... Uh, judge me when I, every, the F word would come out of my mouth every sentence. And <laughs> yeah. They were very kind and uh, that shocked me. And uh, certainly the vastness, you know, there was 2.5 million young people. You know, yeah. you know, that's the largest gathering of human beings wow. in European history wow. for a thing. And that was fascinating. And I think I began to think, gee, maybe there's more to this. You know, maybe this mm-hmm. isn't a story people tell themselves who are afraid of death or something. And... Uh, so there was some questioning and then there was some real openness in prayer. Mm. And uh, there was a few very powerful sort of emotional experiences where, mm-hmm. and this is always the anti- anticlimactic bit because I don't know how to convey it in language, but since you've experienced it, you perhaps know what I mean. Encountering the person of Jesus Christ who saw me as I was and loved me as I was and too much to leave me that way. Mm-hmm. It was very healing and just knocked me over. It was okay. like... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, what's lovely about chatting with people who become Christians but who haven't read the tradition mm-hmm. is they have to create their own language to express yeah. what they just experienced yeah. and it mm. always makes it more hmm. interesting because yeah. it's not just <laughs> warmed over mm-hmm. language yeah, from Augustine or something. Yeah, so for me, I remember thinking like it's, it's like another sense uh, woke up. Mm-hmm. Like imagine living your whole life without sight and then one day you had it and you're amidst a, boop, a group of people who didn't have it. I just thought, I'm, I'm experiencing something that I can tell these people aren't yeah. experiencing. And uh, mm-hmm. so it was, it was just beautiful. We're starting our summer camp season, and it's, it's, I always think that when our campers give their testimonies <laughs> on the last day, so we'll, yeah. we'll bring them up on stage. And, mm. you know, you got these middle schoolers trying to, <laughs> who like maybe had this power, like supernatural encounter with like the presence of God, and they're trying to express it in a sixth grader's language. And, yeah. and it's, it's always like, a little awkward. <laughs> so, yeah, you're like, oh my, sometimes it's just like, it's so feeling oriented, yeah. and you're like, oh man, I wish it wasn't so feeling. But it's like, they're they're just so young and they're trying to put words to like this encounter. Try to and put words as to any adults, beautiful experience. Yeah, it's yeah. like really difficult. Like how do you how do you explain the experience of a beautiful sunset? Yeah. Like what? Like there aren't words for that. <laughs> yeah. And like these little sixth graders, one of my favorite of all time was like five years ago. He gets up there and he's just like, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but Jesus is real. And then he goes. Okay, and he was just done, and he hands me the microphone yeah. to go to the next one. I'm like, <laughs> I think that's it, though. Yeah. I think we can just, like, we can just close up shop. Like, because there was just this part of him that was so excited to say all these things that you could tell were running in his mind, and what came out yeah. was, I don't know how to say it. Jesus is real. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, I think that's it. That's I think it. that's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite testimonies was this little kid up on stage, and he was, he was just, like, weeping he's like i just love jesus so much and it was like it was just all about love and he was just moved to tears and i think Mm -hmm. like that's the words don't really matter as much as just that love that he knew he was loved like you're Mm -hmm. saying in this like incredible uh unexpressible way Mm -hmm. yeah from the fullness of the heart the mouth speaks yeah the mouth doesn't speak to produce the fullness of heart yeah and so i think that like that experience of that that indwelling um, that the Lord permits in those conversion experiences, those encounters that we call them, it fills the heart. Okay. And from that, the mouth speaks. And sometimes what the mouth speaks isn't linear yeah. or congruent with something we've said before. 
but it's mm. but it's real. Yeah, but it's yeah, that's real. that's that's a, it's a good point. I mean, I think we can uh, obviously we want to have an intellectual basis for the faith, and we want to grow in our understanding of what the church teaches mm-hmm. and why it's reasonable to believe the things she yeah, does. Of course. And yet, when a child gets up and says, "I just believe he's real," as mm-hmm. you say, to compare that to a sunset. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't say, well, tell me what the sun is, how big it is, <laughs> yeah. talk to me about the rotation of the earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that might be all very interesting knowledge to have, um, mm-hmm. and yet uh, our first shot at it is to explain how it affected us. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. perfectly appropriate. It's just beautiful. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Well, the yeah, sun, yeah, yeah. Just beautiful. Um, your testimony to the sunset <laughs> is not dismissed by your inability to explain solar flares. Yeah. <laughs> so... Well, that, and that to your point, I mean, sometimes I, I think as, as we generate like a Christian dialect for how to communicate these things, maybe they even lose their power. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, that's right. I was I was teaching on the you know Catholic Youth Summer Camp Damascus. We've got a we've got a certain um, charismatic expression here uh, in our in our worship, and we were looking at some of the testimony of the initial outpouring of the Catholic charismatic renewal in the '60s. And there's a testimony from a guy named David Mangan, who he experienced what we would typically describe as, mm-hmm. you know, resting in the spirit, falling in the spirit. And there, were, there was just no words for it at that time. Mm-hmm. And in his journal, he was writing and he said, I found myself lying prostrate before the Lord and it wasn't my idea. It's pure. And I also, I also think, I love that, I, lovely. I love that you're saying that too, because I even think in the words we get caught up sometimes. Yeah. So even to say that charismatic worship yeah, is, sure. is, is, is independent to a specific expression of the faith is just, yeah, the word no, every, every worship, puts it in a box. Every, every worship is charismatic so long as Holy Spirit is present yeah. and you're open to him. That, that, yeah, there's an expressive side of what we've yeah. considered the charismatic expression of the faith. Mm-hmm. But I would say even the, the most ancient of liturgies is incredibly charismatic because I want the Holy Spirit to move in and through me. I'm open to his charisms, like in the sense that I hope I leave here different yeah. with gifts that can change my family yeah. and change my community. And, and like, again, I'm, I'm here for worship unto the Lord, but that's the beauty of authentic poured out worship is that the Lord never mm-hmm. leaves you empty. You empty yourself in worship and you leave more full than you mm-hmm. came in. And that by its by its very definition, is charismatic. Now, again, I, I'm just simply saying that sometimes we can get into these um, boxes. Oh, yeah, these boxes based on the words when it's actually like no, this, this vibrancy of faith yeah. that's been poured out to us for centuries—the ever ancient and the ever new, right? That that mm-hmm. the Lord has been speaking something for all of salvation history, and now He's echoing the different sentiments He's always been speaking. And sure, sometimes people are going to put different and new words on them, yeah. just as a young person will a sunset or an encounter with Jesus. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just there's just something to that that I even think that when we begin boxing ourselves in with words, I think we're acting precisely backwards. Mm-hmm. Then saying, "Here's what God's been pouring out in the church yeah. forever," and and here's mm-hmm. what we're doing with that. I get nervous even using the phrase missionary discipleship now, right? It's just because I don't want it to become a coin phrase in the church because mm. it's such a rich way to understand what it means to be Christian. And as soon as something rich comes out, everyone starts using it. New evangelization, new pen, like, and, yeah. and we almost lose the richness of it because we cheapen it by over. Yeah, small group discipleship. Like, again, yeah. those are all good things, but yeah. we can... 
Yeah, so Matt, you've entrusted your son to us today. You're dropping your son off to camp. What, what the, uh, that's to always, a prudent degree. Yeah. To a prudent degree, everyone. <laughs> these, are the, these are the guys you're entrusted to. Um, and what do you look for like when you look for a ministry? Like why'd you, why'd you decide to trust your kid to us for his spiritual formation uh, and his physical safety? Yeah, I would say two things initially. <laughs> After breaking his wrist last year. Yeah, last year right came one. and broke his wrist. Yeah. <laughs> two things. One would be people I trust speak very highly of you. It's always a good reason yeah. to begin accepting <laughs> yeah. something. Uh, the second thing was you refused to allow teenagers to have uh, smartphones, which mm. in a day and age in which children are often glued to their cell phones is a courageous act and, a, and a, I think a brave thing to do. Uh, so those were two. I thought, wow, they must they must know what they're doing. Hmm. So uh, that's why. That's awesome. That's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that really ties into kind of the the countercultural theme. The this idea of like, okay, what what's going on in the culture, and mm-hmm. how do we make decisions? Where like something as simple as like, what are the decisions we're making with cell phones with our children and mm-hmm. stuff like yeah. that? But what is the kind of what's going on? What's your guys' take on what's going on in the culture today? What are what are the uh, if we were to diagnose the the culture um, that we're living in, what's mm-hmm. the diagnosis? But before we do that, what do you mean by culture? Yeah, what do you mean Good by question. culture, oh. Matt? <laughs> that's, 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 well, he was asking you. Anyway. That, instead of Aquinas, yeah. I'm going more the, not, not Aristotle, yeah, but just Socrates. Socrates. Yeah. Let me ask you a what question on question. culture. I would suggest kind of more of the... the just the typical way of life of the people, their mindsets, their behaviors, what drives them, what, what are we living When I think of culture, I, th- what would I say? Maybe a life lived in common? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And if that if that's what culture means, then I don't think we have one in the United yeah, States. I was going to say. So I think similar. to be countercultural is to create a culture mm. oh, well, yeah. amidst yeah. to people who don't have one. Because yeah. I don't think we do. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking similar words. That yeah. I, I think when I think um, again, if, if using your definition there, Dan, if we're thinking the culture in the Western world today, I think it's a a culture of radical independence where I am not dependent on anyone else or any other thing. Whereas the culture of the church has always been radical dependence on God, on one another, right? Because I think this goes to your word on community too, Dan. And I think to the common way of life, community, common unity to something. I think that, um, well, I, I, I don't know how to say it better than about a year ago, the community um, piece that you're talking about, Dan, the Lord in my prayer time just gave me this, this amazing image of just the early church. It was actually from Acts. I was praying through Acts and I had an image of Peter and Paul. And Peter and Paul had a lot of differences that are actually notable in scripture. And also just like, as they were figuring things out as brothers, like you operate in this way, I operate in this way. You think this way about this thing. I think this way about this thing. And instead of finding themselves radically independent of each other, I I felt the Lord showing me this radical dependence they had on each other. It was actually the image that I was given was one of Peter, um, preparing for what must have been like an early mass. Like it was just in my imagination and contemplation and prayer that the Lord was just showing me this um, image of Peter running around getting things ready for mass, right? And all of a sudden I, I went from that to outside of the room where he was doing that and I saw this man limping with a, with a hood up. And I was just staying in it, seeing what was happening. And as, as this man progressed more forward, he took his hood off and I saw that it was Paul. And so here's Paul walking through the streets of, I don't know, Rome, some like, you name it, I'm not sure. And Peter preparing for what would have been an early mass, a celebration of what Jesus asked them to do. And I saw Paul limping up these steps 
And I saw him open the door. And when the door opened, I went back into the room where Peter was adjusting things and, and light peered into the room. And Peter stops and looks to the door to see what face is emerging from like the shadow, right? And I saw, I saw Peter recognize it was Paul and stop everything and run to him. Yeah. And there was just this brotherly embrace where, where I just saw Peter and Paul weeping. Mm. And Paul, he took his brother Peter in his arms and he looked him in the eye and, and he said this. And, and I, because I think this is it, is that we need a culture that reminds each other in the church what we signed up for in the first place. That Paul, like, he took his arms and looked Peter in the eye and the conversation they had was something to this effect. Peter just looked at Paul so lovingly and Paul said to Peter, things are getting hard out there. And I'm not, I'm not sure how many more trips back here to see you I have, but I came back so that you could remind me, that you could remind me what we signed up for. Mm -hmm. That things are getting hard and I don't have the strength for it. And I don't want to fall into a radical independence where mm -hmm. I got it. It's my call. I'm going to do this thing. It was this come of this like, this, this come of the gospel, right? This, this communal, this come of the gospel, this common way of life. And I just saw this, this brotherly embrace that the Lord's been working in my heart since then of like, to Matt's point, you don't have culture without a common way of life. And the church has always been called to be one. Mm -hmm. The division of the world's not meant to get into the church. The oneness of the holy Catholic and apostolic church is supposed to get into the world. And so what I see in the world today is a culture of radical independence and a church that's called to radical dependence yeah. on Holy Spirit first and on Jesus within one another, maybe second, but at least in congruence with the first. <laughs> that's interesting. The, the, would you say the kind of the lack of a culture in the world is, is um, especially as someone who's not native to America initially, is, it, is that an American thing, or are you seeing that across the globe, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a lack of a culture in Europe? Is there a lack of a culture in Australia? Like, does that, is this the, the dismantling of, of humanity, if you will? Or what do you even mean by that there is no culture, right? Yeah, so I suppose if you say, like, what is American, what is the life we have in common as an American? Maybe you'd say something like Thanksgiving uh, or <laughs> a hangover after Super Bowl yeah. or... Uh, an election every four years, but it feels like increasingly we don't agree on how we ought to live and how communities uh, ought to live. Um, Which is that radical independence. But I don't think that's, yeah. I don't think that's uh, specific to America. I think it's probably throughout the Western world. Yeah. yeah. At least I see it in Australia and hmm. Hmm. there seems to be compelling forces seeking to kind of uh, <clears throat> disassemble how uh, America was structured and set up. And yeah. Yeah. We had a, you know, Two years ago, I guess yeah, it was two years ago at this point when we when we launched um, summer camp, kind of initially post COVID, mm -hmm. uh, the a similar sentiment came up that I think that you know whether whether this was the the original scheme of the enemy or whether he's simply taken advantage of it, I think I think you see like just a pervasive isolation um, that's really a plague on the on the lives of of young people. Mm -hmm. uh, that I suppose is maybe a natural um, result mm -hmm. of of a lack of rootedness, mm. you know, hmm. and and it's 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 beautiful because it's precisely what the church has to offer. Like the the church, you know, we're, we're speaking our, our theme this year is on is on the Eucharist that mm -hmm. that the, the the Eucharist Jesus is the source and summit of the Christian life, mm -hmm. and 
and, and that we are in fact called into that place of of coming to the table in communion to to find that okay lord the way you built me is what you're is what you've destined me for and and anything other than that's going to leave me empty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah for centuries there's kind of this idea there's a way to present this is how to live the good life and you almost don't have that anymore like you can't teach this is what the good life looks like there's almost this like, rockets to mars yeah is you, what the good you life do looks you like. right and it's like <laughs> maybe i don't want to do me maybe like i, I yeah. want to learn from the wisdom of thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of years of and people who have gone before me as opposed mm. to this mm. radical independence that just yeah. says, well, I'm going to do me and I'm going to figure me out or whatever. But, but the, the, you know, to actually rely on people to mm-hmm. show us how to live the good life. In the Baltimore Catechism, it talks about how we should know, love, and serve God. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that um, ideologies that are being pumped into our children, like BLM mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. transgender ideology, you have the you have the opposite happening. So you don't actually know what's true and then love it in an appropriate way and then mm. serve it. The mm. opposite happens. You're taught to serve the ideology. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you're not really kind of given the freedom to assess whether or not it's accurate. It's just be on the right side of history, which yep. seems to be a meaningless phrase. Why would I why would I care about being mm-hmm. on the right side of history? Mm-hmm. And then um, I come to uh, love it in a certain way. I love the ideology for whatever reason. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm part of the in-group or the, mm-hmm. uh, the marginalized group. I don't group. get rejected for sure, you know, yeah. no one's yelling at me. Yeah, so for whatever reason, mm-hmm. we come to have an affection for this false thing that we've been taught to serve. Mm-hmm. And once we begin to love the false thing, we then rationalize the false thing. Mm-hmm. So we come up with, we, we say things like, uh, well, men can be women or something like mm-hmm. that, which mm-hmm. uh, senseless st- stupidity, mm-hmm. which crumbles upon itself after having received like one interrogating question, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, so that's I think that's a, that's difficult. So mm-hmm. education, the word yeah. etymologically means about a, like a, a leading out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I think we we're seeing people desiring to come back to what is the truth because if there is no objective truth and we're mm-hmm. just sort of widgets floating through the whatever matrix. Mm-hmm then presumably I can decide who I am because nothing's true anyway and I have a subjective experience of being Mm -hmm. a woman or a dog or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um... But, but that's that doesn't that seems like the way to insanity. That's interesting what you're saying, Matt. Because earlier we were talking about it doesn't make any the cancel culture is so confusing right now because you've got this idea of all of a sudden in a relativistic world where there was no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden there's this massive wrong, mm-hmm. and and then they just go after. And it's almost as if they de- through relativism. Truth was dismantled. Objective mm-hmm. truth was dismantled. And so there is no truth. It's whatever you believe. It's totally subjective. But now they're replacing from a culture of relativism, mm-hmm. they're now replacing it with false doctrine. Mm-hmm. And so new new doctrines, I mean, 10, 15 years ago, before these false mm-hmm. doctrines of the LGBT movement or the BLM, before those false doctrines really were mm-hmm. implanted into the mindset of our youth and into our school systems, it was it was this doctrine, this false doctrine of relativism, mm-hmm. of just, who are you to say anything's right or yeah. wrong? And once they dismantled that and got everyone's mindsets, if you will, and who is they, right? That's like, but but once that culture bought into that lie, it actually allowed the seed of false doctrine and false prophets to just rise up. Because why? Because we need truth so yeah. bad, and and especially the youth are so hungry to be formed mm-hmm. in what is the good life? What is the right way? Mm-hmm. Who And Jesus, Brad, the, Jesus is the way, the truth, truth and the life. life. Yeah. And when you reject that, mm-hmm. and then you reject that there is a way, there is a truth, there is a life, 
Now all of a sudden you have a, a, a world that I get to now reshape what the way, the well, truth, and the life it's is. It's infinite subjectivity. Great point. Yeah. yeah, and infinite subjectivity by its nature creates infinite chaos. And, and the, the they that you were talking about, like, I think that's actually a really good question. Like, who is the they? And how has it become so rampant so quick? I, th- I, well, think, I, think, yeah. uh, I think that, you know, I, I used to think, like, how is, and you, sometimes you'll hear these conspiracy theories about people behind a, uh, somewhere coming up with a plan <laughs> yeah. to dismantle. Like mm-hmm. I, communism I, I think America. it's satanic. Yeah. I think that's why it's so I well organized. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's ca- because it's, because it's, I, I think there's at least a, a possible answer for the they, and it's they who experience chaos internally. And instead of finding order to bring into their chaos, they want to bring their chaos into the external order, right? That's, that's the reverse. Yeah. That like, there's an internal chaos that the Lord actually brings order into. And all of us, think about the beginning of creation, the tohu vabohu, the, the chaotic waters, right? What does Holy Spirit do when, when Father God, through the word incarnate later in Jesus, is spoken Order is brought into chaos, a beautiful order. It didn't eliminate all chaos. It didn't eliminate like, like these unique expressions that were so beautiful. But instead, what was chaotic had order brought to it so that it could flourish. Yeah. Instead, now it's almost like I experience chaos here and so that other people don't other me, I'll bring the chaos to them instead of letting them bring order to me. And I think in the reversal of this no love and serve, you no longer have room for commitment and covenant. Mm-hmm. Because... What is commitment and covenant but choosing to love something I know? There's actually a surrender of my, mm. like, but if I'm serving it first, the commitment and covenant don't come along with it. Like, I, I think if we were writing the Declaration of Independence today, it would be we the autonomous individuals of the United <laughs> States of yeah. America instead of we the people yeah. of the, like, because we as a collective unit may have disagreements on certain nuances within what we're about to say, but we're going to commit to each other and hold covenant with each other and move forward together because we know that we don't know everything, yeah, right? I, like, in, I don't in, think that we could write a declaration. Well, I, because I'm not the end. <laughs> I am not the end. Yeah. And that that is... That but, is a, and, and the beauty of the Declaration of Independence, they, they were declaring that there is a way of life to live, right? That freedom looks like this. Yes. And this is what the human life should consist of, mm-hmm. right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of The ability of to do what you ought. Yeah. And, and you, we just can't even agree on that. Mm-mm. So, it, it, okay, so order comes from the chaos in, in Genesis, and the yeah. evil one is there. I wonder, Matt, what do you mean it's satanic? So, like, because how do we not blame everything on Satan, but also, like, what does that even mean to say that he's at work in the world today to dismantle the world? What is it, like, for, how, like, what do we, how do you explain that? I think you begin as a Christian by acknowledging <sighs> that you can't say the opposite of that. So whatever it does mean, we can maybe talk about that, but what it can't mean is that Satan isn't active in the world today. We yeah. can't say that as Christians. Yeah. But I think that... Um, Sometimes uh, we talk about Christianity without reference to the demonic, mm. which makes the story as uh, nonsensical and uninteresting as if you were to talk about the Lord of the Rings without reference to Sauron. Yeah, yeah. You could do it's that. It's not an epic battle. I yeah. could say it, well, there was a ring that wasn't conducive to the flourishing of Hobbiton. <laughs> so <laughs> so these, two li- these two little fellas took a few of their friends and this wizard guy and they just destroyed it and then things were better. Yeah. And that is what happened. It's just woefully insufficient. <clears throat> Likewise, if I say to you, God exists and he loves you and he mm-hmm. sent his son to die for you so that you can have friendship with him and eternal life with him. That's true. It's just also woefully insufficient. Yeah. 
So I think uh, we have to we have to reference and be aware of the demonic. First Peter five uh, mm-hmm. eight: the devil prowls like a lion and mm-hmm. seeking someone to devour. Mm-hmm. Well, anyone who does deliverance ministry, like for an individual, right? That we, we talk <coughs> about the catechism references like open doors, right? Like what that you you can open yourself to evil through certain means, right? Mm-hmm. If I play with the Ouija board, that could be an open door where I'm mm-hmm. allowing, if you will, and. You could just look at how the American culture has had multiple open doors mm-hmm. in the last 50 years. Like the legalization of um, abortion in America was a giant open door. The sexual revolution mm-hmm. was a giant open door that almost gave permission for the evil one to come into our culture and start mm-hmm. manipulating our common way of life. And it's amazing because in a in, in the pursuit of freedom, we're losing our freedom, right? It's mm-hmm. Well, and... and- I think the the uh, consequence of this is that ultimately it's not as simple as targeting the five guys sitting in a room somewhere who mm-hmm. are creating this you know this yeah. false culture <laughs> yeah, yeah. right because Can't because take them out. the the ones the ones who are opening ourselves to this are all of us mm-hmm. and and this is why the like the the work mm-hmm. of evangelization is so critical you know you you could say you could say that yeah it's it's this or that open door. The, the only cause for demonic oppression mm-hmm. is a lack of intimacy with the person of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And the only cure for demonic influence mm-hmm. is intimacy, is connection with the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, like there, there's no place for the enemy to live. So like this, this, mm-hmm. is, this is the, the diagnosis and this is the, this is the solution mm-hmm. that um, if, if, we wanna, if we wanna stop the decline of culture, if we wanna bring ourselves back to a community if we want to, if we want to allow the New Jerusalem to mm-hmm. to come and, and to to take place in this world, like it it's through it's through introduction to relationship with mm-hmm. Jesus, it's through mm-hmm. development of intimacy with Him. That's, well, in church, beware that you don't fall into as you're saying. It's in all of us. Beware you don't fall into the false doctrines of this age. Like so, this idea that I can have relationship with Jesus but not live life on mission is postmodernism. It, it, it's this lie that it's all about me and mm-hmm. my way of life and my experience with God and that that and it's void of a missionary yeah. mandate to one be in relationship with the body mm-hmm. of Christ and two to 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 live the apostolic lifestyle. And it's it's amazing how we have so many people who pursue the Lord today who may, who maybe aren't even pursuing mission at all in their life and it, it's that's not Christianity. Yeah, well, it, mission brings into community what's necessary for it to be the church. That that the community of the church has always been a community that gets together not to ask, what can I get primarily, but what can I give? And the reason for that, right, is that when we come together and we ask, what can I give? We give a unique representation of Jesus Christ to the body. Hmm. Many parts, all one body. And what I, are, I think that you, there's Brad? something... Are you the big toe? Uh, I don't know uh, what the, I am. I don't know what I am. Maybe I'm, the... I'm a, I, <laughs> You're gonna throw me off, aren't you? You're gonna throw me off purposefully. Like, oh shoot, I'm, not, I'm the appendix. I'm tracking I'm on this, and now I'm a big so, No, I know. <laughs> no, I, I, the reason I want to say it like that is that community without mission might as well be a country club or a corner bar. Yeah, that, that community for the sake of community is simply a group of like-minded individuals that get through things kind of um, 
in a forward-facing way. Which is way. possibly why we lost the culture, because we had so many Catholic groups become nothing more so than, that, than... I think like, that's where I'm trying to go with what I'm saying. Community without mission. Is that if you, don't, if you don't unite around the principles of mission, that the church was formed to make disciples of all nations. And that, yes, I have to maintain my discipleship if I'm going to make disciples. There's no question there. Like, I can't lose my intimacy with Jesus and then impart intimacy with Jesus. That just doesn't work that way. But coming together, right, even in the worship of the liturgy, I think that the Lord is trying to show us what we need to bring back together. I mean, we're talking about the evil one and and the work that he has in the world. Well, it's been the same work he's been doing since Genesis. It's to confuse us that love and sacrifice can be divorced, Mm. that I can love something without sacrifice, that the the father didn't give a heavy-handed offer in Eden. He didn't say like, you know, there's a bunch of things I want to hold back from you. He said, no, everything is yours. You just have to sacrifice this one thing because love isn't fulfilled without sacrifice. So just don't eat of this one tree, sacrifice that, and love is eternally available to you. And what we said is, no, I think we can love and not sacrifice. Mm. And what what sowed the seed that di- divorced love and sacrifice? Distrust. That is what happened. Like Eve, yeah. no matter how you chalk it up, the father, it doesn't say in Genesis, ever spoke directly to Eve, don't eat of the tree. He speaks it to Adam. Adam either tells that to Eve or the father tells Eve later. Either way, Eve then in a distrust, as soon as the serpent starts whispering, she exaggerates. Why? Because she's starting to distrust. Oh no, he didn't say that we couldn't eat of any of the trees in the garden, just of this one tree, nor even touch it. Well, he actually never said anything about touching it. So I don't know if Adam told you that because Adam distrusted you. Or if you're exaggerating in the moment because you distrust your own heart and what it's desiring. Mm. But somewhere here, distrust is no longer allowing us to unite. So again, I'm trying to like piece it all together here, but a huge reason I think that we're not able to join around a common mission is, I don't know if I can trust you, Matt, or you, Aaron, or you, Dan, to be in community with me where I give something because I don't know what you'll do with my gift, Yeah. right? Well, I don't want to sacrifice, but then I can't love. And then I can just know, but then I become autonomous until I surrender that in covenant and commitment. And then I can move to serve. So anyway, long story short, I think that like what the evil one's doing in the world is what he's done from the beginning. He's sowing distrust to divorce love and sacrifice. That's what he's doing. And and, and just, yeah. Not just in each other, but we just trust in him. Going back to what you started the show with, Matt, just this abandonment to divine providence in in a um, American culture that has so much abundance, wealth, or earthly, earthly abundance, it's hard to trust in him, right? Because I, I become dependent on myself. Shoot, I need more money. I'm going to work harder to get more money. Because and I am independent. Yeah. It's, it's, it becomes I, I this, contain the I'm end. the provider I'm the of end. my family. I'm and, in. And it didn't used to, I mean, it, it had to, I mean, you used to be on your knees in prayer just begging that it would rain so that you would have food to feed your family, mm-hmm. right? And that dependency on God, mm-hmm. we've removed it because, well, I can just go to Walmart and get my groceries. And, of course. Which isn't bad. It's not an evil thing, but it just is, how do we, how do you stay abandoned to divine providence? If this is what the Lord's been speaking in your hmm. prayer, how are you growing in hmm. that abandonment to his providence, Matt? Um, well, I like what you said a lot. Um, if I don't trust that the Father is for me, I won't, re- I won't open myself to him. Like, you know, if you were to say, what is a child like whose father doesn't like him and who he can't trust? Mm-hmm. That child won't grow up well. He won't act well. Um, and I think many of us have a false idea that God doesn't delight in us, isn't for us. Um, maybe we 
did that when we kind of eradicated the devil. So like someone has to be the enemy. Someone has to be the suppressor of my freedom, (laughs) not desirous of my good. (laughs) And uh, rather than acknowledging uh, the accuser of the brethren as as that individual, we've, we've become very distrustful of God, maybe through the heresy of Jansenism and other heresies. Uh, but I think we need to remind ourselves who God is and who we are before Him. And if He's for me and He loves me, and that's true, hmm. then I then I can surrender myself to Him, and I don't have to control everything. You know, last night we celebrated Bishop oh, Earl Fernandez. Earl Fernandez. I'm a, I, I love that man already. What a powerful mm-hmm. homilist! And <laughs> yeah, he, mm-hmm. he preached the gospel so comprehensive, like such. And a just every se- he's like Aquinas. He just kept bringing in scripture every yeah. sentence yeah. accidentally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, yes. it's like he memorized all of scripture. It's like what the hell? Yes. But you know, I, I, you know, it was a two and a half hour mass, and this is after my family and I had driven two and a half hours, and <laughs> the holy mass started shortly after eight p.m. Yeah, and uh, you know, about thirty minutes in, we I took the kids out the back, and they were all running around, and I thought to myself, you know, if this was my first kid. I would have been like, you sit down, and I would have been very harsh about mm-hmm. it. Fourth kid, you you need to relax, I think, and so we, uh, for their good as well as my own. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's like a, just a gentle, more of a gentle spirit. I think more of a trusting. Like you know, one of the things Teresa Lisieux said is that she takes great comfort in the fact that God is just, mm-hmm. because He must take into account my weakness, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I can take great delight and comfort in the fact that He's wholly just. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think that has that's kind of what I mean when I'm just sort of abandoning everything to our Lord. Like I trust in you. I love you. I have confidence in you. I love you because you love me first. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I know. love that. Mm-hmm. So the one of my favorite quotes on evangelization is from uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. He said, "Evangelization is teaching people the art of living." And mm. going back to this idea that well, maybe there is no culture, and that's the problem. The our job as Christians in a post-Christian world is to help teach people the art of living. It's mm-hmm. the work of evangelization is reinfusing culture into civilization because, mm-hmm. and if you will, when we make disciples of nations, right? Mm-hmm. Not just disciples of individuals in nations, but when you make disciples of nations, mm-hmm. you help teach that nation mm-hmm. culture. And you mm-hmm. introduce them Identity. to a way of life that points to the good life yeah. again. One of the reasons we moved out of Atlanta, when people say, why did you move to Steubenville, Ohio? I, yeah. I always say- Everyone wants to move to Steubenville, right? I say, Well, they, sh- they, the they should consider it. But I say, I say for friendship. That's yeah. the reason we yeah. moved. Because in Atlanta, and I'm sure many cities are like this, it's just a big sprawling city. And in order to visit a friend who you love, it's mm-hmm. 20, 30 minute drive. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult enough to hang out when you live on the same street. Uh, so I thought we just want to kind of embed our little family into a culture of families who are all looking towards Christ and mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how hard does life need to be? Do I need to live in the middle of a city where the closest Catholic family is 20 minutes away? Mm-hmm. Maybe, but I, I don't want to do that anymore. It seems to me that a, a Catholic, finding a Catholic family independent of a community of Catholic families mm-hmm. would be like coming across a six-year-old in the middle of a forest Mm-hmm. Why, why? Where why did you come you? from? And you won't last here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you you will die unless yeah. you mm-hmm. have support. And I think modern Catholic families are like that. And I know when you say things like that, the 
the bubbling objection is always mm -hmm. right, but you don't want to create some sort of bunker mentality or mm -hmm. close yourself off, which is precisely what mm -hmm. we're talking about. And mm -hmm. I fully agree with that. Mm -hmm. uh, but just like, what did you say? Um, in, in order to love, I have to first know, mm -hmm. I feel like in order to be a family that's a healthy family on mission, yeah. I need to be a healthy family. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I might not be able to do that if everyone on my streets, kids have cell phones and are looking at porn or mm -hmm. uh, teaching my children uh, false things. Yeah. So I've just, even though Steubenville in many respects is a very ugly town, uh, it's also one of the most beautiful places. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's the most beautiful place I've ever lived because mm -hmm. uh, I now know homeless people by name. And uh, my, my children, uh, you know, on our very street, there's five or six families who we all mm -hmm. love and trust. And if you were to ask each of these families, like, tell me about your walk with the Lord, they would tell you about that. And they'd also tell you about how they're serving. Mm -hmm. So it's not an insular community. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's actually, it's almost like a community within the world. It's, I'm all for the idea of buying farmland and creating a Catholic community. I'm not disparaging that, but mm -hmm. there's something lovely about a Catholic community growing within a town that has mm -hmm. meth busts and gunshots mm -hmm. and sirens. Mm -hmm. Something kind of cool about yeah. that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there is. my kids are encountering this mm -hmm. all the time and it's different kinds of people. And yeah, We were in um, <clears throat> Paris doing a mission um, not too long ago and we went to St. Vincent de Paul's uh, Incorrupt Body Beautiful. and mm -hmm. uh, as we were visiting there someone you know nudged me and said did you know this used to be the the poorest neighborhood in all of France hmm. and now it's the richest neighborhood mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. St. Vincent de Paul went to that neighborhood where mm -hmm. his remains are and because it was where the poorest of the poor were mm -hmm. but when when you bring the gospel to the poor they become abundant and, and, and it's just, it, it's, I think that's exactly what can happen when there's a Catholic community living life on mission in, in an area, you can transform the yeah. area. So I, I for, sorry. No, no, no. I forgot Please. what you asked me that led me to talk about Steubenville, but it was, I think maybe the idea of creating a culture, was it? Or? Yeah, how do we create, like if evangelization's uh, the- um, Teaching the art, art of living. Of, yeah, the teaching the art of living. How do we do that in the modern world? Yeah, so, I mean, I just, I'm a big proponent of people, especially if, in today's post-COVID restriction age, if, if people are able to work from home or if they have more mm -hmm. freedom to consider uh, uprooting their family. I mean, may, that might be a bad idea, but to mm -hmm. at least consider uh, joining a community of Catholics in whatever city, mm -hmm. yeah. because I think life becomes a lot easier. I'll give you an example, all right? Like directly across the street from us is a lovely family called the McNamaras, and mm. he teaches mm. philosophy at Franciscan and just yesterday, you know, they, a couple of the kids came to the door. Hey, we want to see if any of your kids want to come to Holy Mass. It's like the noon Mass. <laughs> on a, well, not yesterday, the day before. So it was a weekday yeah. weekday Mass. Like this stuff happens all the time. So another example, my son, mm -hmm. Liam, who's here this week, plays D&D &D with his friends at uh, a couple of doors down. I love that. And uh, it, it's very beautiful. I know some people are hesitant of D&D, &D, but there's no, e there's no evil characters. That's one, that's one of the rules, yeah. which I think is important. Um, so anyway, the, the, the reason is I, I popped over there the other night when they were about to start D&D, &D, you know, and there's like seven or eight high, high school kids and they're about to play. And then Deacon Welker, whose house it is, says, all right, let's pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet before you guys begin. Everyone just went, okay. And there, there was no yeah. groaning. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that they don't groan, not that they're not annoying teenagers, like yeah. you're annoying teenagers and everybody's annoying teenagers, but they all popped up and we all prayed the Divine Mercy. It's almost like 
it's difficult not to be evangelized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's in a very healthy, human, beautiful, freeing way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I don't feel all the responsibility mm-hmm. to continually talk to my children about the faith because it's yeah. like it's difficult to go anywhere without mm-hmm. encountering the beauty of it. And mm-hmm. that beauty is mm-hmm. is pulling them towards the truth. I heard one time that a young person needs five mod, ro- adult role models <laughs> in order for them to um, grow into the, like kind of that, that way of life. And so if I need, it's, it's, it is good if mom and dad are countercultural and they're the ones, no, we don't do it that way. We don't do it that way. We don't do it. Mm. But in a young person's life, they, mom and dad are critical, but mom and dad aren't enough. They also need other adults that they right. see. And mom and dad are tired. That says, this, yeah, mom and dad are tired. You know, yeah. and so it's, so this, we don't do it that way. We don't, do you know how much energy that, that takes? Yeah, it's Well, exhausting. we don't, even though he has an yeah. iPhone and he's allowed to do this, yeah. that's tiring. Yeah. yeah. And so imagine, imagine seeking out people that you were walking distance from who sort of agreed basically with your view of things. Yes. Things mm. just become easier. I yeah. felt like it took me a while because coming from Atlanta where it's like, who is these parents? And like, we need an mm-hmm. FBI background check. And, <laughs> and so initially before, I was- Before in, a sleepover FBI yeah, background Indeed, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was very kind of guarded at first and still I hope and prudently guarded, uh, but uh, just a lot more, okay, I can mm-hmm. just sort of relax a little here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not because these people are perfect or anything like that. And not because I think there's a willful blindness on my part. Uh, mm-hmm. And not because I don't need to do the work of talking to my kids about hard topics. I still mm-hmm. want to do that and hope I do that. It's just easier. So mm-hmm. just th- th- I'm going to sum that up, yeah. right? In your question of like, how do I how do I live an and a sort of counter cultural life? Well, one pos- one way we've decided to do it is to embed ourselves into a Catholic culture that of Steubenville, and I'm not saying that's the only one. There are plenty of them. I recommend Centerburg. <laughs> What's that? I recommend Centerburg. Centerburg, Centerburg Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> that's another one. <laughs> and, and and because that's that's an easier way to do it. Yeah. I, yeah. Peter Kraft once said in a talk, "I'd rather be." You would rather be, he said, you would rather be in, in love in the Bronx than divorced in Hawaii, <laughs> which is probably very offensive to those who live in the Bronx. Like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, there's a, <laughs> All the CFRs are like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, how they about, why not both? Yeah. <laughs> but there is something about that, I think, with Catholic community, you know? Like, yeah. I would rather be in community in a crummy little rust belt, broken down town in Ohio than where we used to live in San Diego, San Diego. And that's yeah. a lovely town and there's lovely Catholic community there. You yeah. can find it. You can find it. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really happy to be in this, this town. Yeah, there's, something, there's something about what you're saying there. I think the one thing, um, just I, I, I felt like I was just like getting this image as you were speaking that of um, just something in the natural that like there is something beautiful about being in the world but not of it and something beautiful about something amazing raising up in the middle of what would otherwise maybe be decrepit or like, Dirty. I was thinking about fertilizer and flowers. So my wife and I just bought a house. I'm learning a lot about um, gardening, and I'm not very good at it. But I, I, I did grow up around farm fields uh, in Portsmouth, where I grew up, which is another river town, just like Steubenville. A lot of the same problems. A lot of the same beautiful little highlights too, though. And um, I was thinking about. Just fertilizer, if it was just fertilizer, would be just the most abhorrent thing of all time, right? <laughs> yeah, imagine but, if you knew nothing about gardening and you were just going yes, step by step, yes, where you going to lay a bunch of like, cow poo down. Cow, cow that sounds laid horrible. Down. It's horrible. <laughs> Why would I do that? But then, like, but then when, 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 you, when you plant a variety of seeds in that together mm. and the way that they 
raised into something beautiful, it actually is more beautiful there in the midst of the fertilizer mm-hmm. than it would have been without the fertilizer. Yeah. And so that's that's the tension point that I see in the mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church in the Western world is I don't want us to remove ourselves. I want us to find ourselves right in the heart of it with others raising up the goodness of God. And that that like I just I, because I've seen both, right? I've seen like this, okay, the world is getting darker. It's getting harder. Mm. Let's remove. And I've seen the, let's go vigilante. One man, our whole family will die of arrows. We're doing this right yeah. now. I think both of those have their pitfalls, but I do think there's something beautiful about discerning a group of people that are called into a specific area for a specific reason in a specific way and raising up beauty in the midst of what else, what otherwise rather would be yeah. abhorrent. Well, if culture is the common way of life, then what it's it's hard to form a common way of life if you don't have people with a common mindset. And it sounds like that's what you're suggesting you're finding. I know, because um, I've been Diocese of Columbus my whole life and doing ministry in the Diocese of Columbus for close to 20 years now. And when I started ministry, one of the early churches I worked at was St. Patrick's. Uh, it was downtown Columbus and families would drive upwards to 45 to 50 minutes all the time to come to church here because it's ran yeah. by Dominican friars and it was beautiful liturgy, orthodox preaching. But more important than all of that, there were families who who had the same mindset about how to raise their kids. And so it was a big enough priority to do this huge inconvenience to drive all this way. I mm-hmm. loved working up seven years with these families just watching. But what's happening now, it's so neat because as I think this was years ago, and there was a need, an absolute need for you people to drive 30 to 45 minutes to St. Patrick's. Hmm. What's beautiful now is there's not actually that big of a need. And the reason there's not that big of a need is we have parishes all over the Diocese of Columbus that are flourishing yeah, with amazing the Catholic community. Thank and you, so Jesus. over the last mm. 10 years, through the grace of God and uh, the mm. amazing mm-hmm. uh, witness of great priests and lay faithful, we're seeing transformation of parish life where, well, I, I, wherever you are in the city, I can point out a dynamic parish where you've got these incredible families living close to each other. I was talking to, mm-hmm. we're at St. Catherine's now, and um, I was talking to one of the the parents of, uh, and they're, they're, they, you know, they have uh, kids in the school and they're like, Dan, that what's happening in the school is absolutely amazing. And we, we used to be in the school, we're, we're homeschooling now, but uh, he's like, what's, what's happening in the school is amazing. He's like, from, from fourth grade down, mm-hmm. all of the families are amazing disciples. Like, mm-hmm. and the ones that aren't, like we've got such a critical mass, the ones that aren't disciples, they're becoming disciples because the families are evangelizing those mm-hmm. families. And we're seeing in, in our, it's so neat in our in our school, in our parish, that there are, there's now such a mm-hmm. strong critical mass of families who are living Christianity beautifully. Mm-hmm. The ones who maybe weren't evangelized prior to coming mm-hmm. are just picking it up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not this like it's not that they're going through some strategic program at the parish. It's just because they're in communion with mm-hmm. families who are on fire with the Holy Spirit, they're catching it. Yeah. And and it's as if the the way of life, the culture itself evangelizes. Um mm. and and so there's great hope. And I don't know if it's if this is happening all over the country. I know it's happening in the Diocese of Columbus where I'm just seeing like more and more culture becoming richer and richer. I hope it's happening. Like you hear about these these different pockets, like San Diego, there are these pockets of these incredible on fire families or, uh, you know, you have that in Phoenix and St. Louis and there's like, there's something's happening in mm-hmm. the church, which is really special. You do need people that remind you though. 
I just go back to that. Remind me, like, I think the reason that those other families are coming into discipleship is because the disciples that are there have one another at St. Catherine to look at each other and remind each other of what oh, they've yeah. signed up for. It's right? a daily decision. It is because like, um, what it's from Evangelii Gaudium, right? The joy of the gospel that, um, Pope Francis, um, I think I have this quote right, but in order to persist in fervent evangelization, we must be convinced from personal experience that it's not the same thing to know Jesus Christ as not to know him. And persist, right? Fervent. We could break down all the words, but to persist in fervent evangelization and spreading the good news, I must be convinced daily that it's not the same thing today that I know Jesus as it would have been if I didn't know him. And for someone to remind me of that, I can live from that, which doesn't allow me to be a sourpuss, I think is the the words that Pope Francis (laughs) uses. What um, is sourpuss in the original? I'm not sure. Um, Pope Francis isn't always the most like yeah. Uh, pointed with his language, yeah, yeah. but I thought sourpusses was well used. I feel like we need well more used. church documents with um, the word sourpusses. Sour yeah. um, but I, I don't know. There was something about that apostolic exhortation that just spoke right to the heart of a, of a world that um, that has fallen to this independence that we're talking about. Yeah. That I, I think that I, can, I cannot on my own every day remember that it's better today to know Jesus as not to have known him without those that are reminding me that that's the case. And if, if that's the reality, then I need community to be on mission. Yeah. It's just required. Yeah. What do we, I guess, <clears throat> to kind of wrap a, a, us up, to bless each other, what, how would we exhort each other? You know, I'm thinking like we're sitting around on this table just musing but how would we bless each other like what what apostolic what apostolic charge would you give me matt and aaron what would you say like if i want to raise if i want to be countercultural i want to raise my family countercultural like what what kind of a charge would you give to do that well i got two things uh the first is speaking of manure and speaking of abandonment i think a good prayer to pray throughout the day is lord use even my bull crap as manure for their growth. Mm. So like talk about abandonment. Lord, I give you not only the things I've done well today, but how I you know, spoke harshly to my child or how I was neglectful of my wife or how I was rude or slammed a door. Use mm. even that as mm. manure for their growth. That's an image I for give all of it to you, Jesus. That's an image. That's a really, no, that's really interesting really, image. Really, it's, that it's would powerful. be one. Yeah. The, the second thing I would say is the world is better than you think it is. And I think that's good yeah. to remember when it seems increasingly dark. And the reason I know it's better is because I met you too. I met you today and I met yeah. you yesterday. I didn't know you existed yesterday. You understand? Yeah, like, right. If you didn't exist yesterday, mm-hmm. my world would have been exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I now know you both exist mm-hmm. and I'm glad you both exist. Mm-hmm. And I now know the world's better than I thought it was. Yeah. Mm. I get to meet people weekly uh, who come on my set. And I, yeah, I really think that mm. many of these people are saints, like mm. actual, not saints in the, hey, we're all saints, yeah. but like holy people. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm really optimistic. And mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I, the, the world isn't as evil as we often, yeah, I, I think that's actually really important. Or it's worse and better than you think yeah, it is. Maybe yeah. that's an animal. <laughs> well, and, well in, in Psalm uh, 2 verse 8, the Lord says, ask me and I'll give you the nations of your inheritance and the earth as your treasure. And if we don't see the, the nations and the earth, they, there mm. are, they are our inheritance and they're our treasure. And if we, if we buy into this mindset that, in that, oh, the world's so bad and it's evil and the world, the flesh, the devil, and all that is true, right? But the, that there's, there, there is 
evil in the world today. But if we don't see the goodness of the mm-hmm. world, we actually and we're that not going to And bless that it's God's world. It's, it's God, not yeah. Biden's world. Mm-hmm. It's not the left's world. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not even uh, Satan's world, even though he's mm-hmm. the prince of the world. But mm-hmm. and, and he God says, is God mm-hmm. is sovereign. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And he says it's our inheritance and it's mm-hmm. our treasure. The, this is the gift that God's giving us is the world and it's our nation. And so if I reject his gift and I, I say this gift is evil, like how can God use me to... To bless us. Treating a blessing as a burden is never a good idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, um, it, it can be hard to accept as a blessing. That's yeah. totally fine because we're human. Mm. But to, to call a blessing a burden, we would, uh, we would be good to avoid that, I think. Yeah. What would your chart be, That's a great Brad? point. Um, I, I, just to be really honest, my heart's really moved by the conversation today. Mm-hmm. I think that um, the verse that keeps coming to my heart is, in the world you will have trouble but take courage for I have conquered the world. And mm. I, um, I just believe that Jesus Christ has a plan for today's age. And I think it rests in the hearts of his faithful joining in conversation like the one we're having today where we challenge each other and we rub each other and we say things that the other might be like, I'm not sure I fully agree with that. Well, well good, because then help me because I don't know anything. You know, like the more I know, the more I know, I know nothing. And so I just think that I take such solace in the fact that Jesus has called men like us and the people listening and women in the church and other men in the church to a way of life that surrenders preference for principles of Christ. And so I think my, um, my charge would be, let's take courage that every step we take, let's take it intentionally and let's do it like we mean it. Let's pray like we mean it. Let's have conversations like we mean it. Let's talk to people in the world about Jesus Christ like we mean it. And let's love the hell out of the world Mm -hmm. like we mean it. And um, I think if we do that, even the greatest pushback couldn't mount a charge against what God can do and is faithful in this generation. So I think that would be my my charge. Everything intentionally, and with direction and faithfully and wholeheartedly. And I think if you, I Thank think that you. intentionality is so important yeah. right now. Intentionality is really important that you have to raise your family intentionally. Mm-hmm. This is for you, Jesus. You've got to be on mission intentionally. Yes. I love you in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I do this in the name of Jesus. I wake up today under the Lordship of Jesus. I go to sleep tonight. Well, when the culture the was Christian or when Judeo Christian beliefs kind of inf- like in, were infused into the culture, mm-hmm. it, you didn't have to be as intentional, right? Because you'd go, your kids would go to school and they would just be raised in virtue. And mm-hmm. you'd go to sports and they'd mm-hmm. be raised in virtue. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. But now everything has to be more intentional mm-hmm. in the post-Christian mm-hmm. generation. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, you know, Jesus is nothing if not consistent from the beginning when he started speaking mm-hmm. about expecting us to do impossible things. <laughs> you know, that the charge that he's given us today is no less radical than the charge that he gave the first 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 no less possible or impossible. It's always been it's always been impossible. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the the charge that I would leave is there is there is no way that you can accomplish parenthood. There's no way that you can accomplish evangelization. There's no way that you can accomplish discipleship without a radical dependency on the Holy Spirit. Thank you, and, and and that the Lord. When, when the Lord gives a mission, he's already got his, his equipment in mind. It's, like a, it's, it, it's mm. like a Mission Impossible movie or a 007 film, right? That, mm. that the precise mission that God's assigned me for, he's, he's got his, his research and development team already, <laughs> already working actively. 
we just we just need to realize that I can't say yes to this mission if I don't say yes to the gifts that accompany it. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's that's I think why why we see such a um a, a, a radical outpouring of the Holy Spirit and in the gifts that are active in in this community precisely because because I, I think that those things go hand in hand. It's it's the yes to mission and it's the yes to equipping. Mm-hmm. And and you you can't hope to say yes to one without the other. Mm-hmm. So I'd say yeah, if if you're in this mission field and every single human being in the church is, mm-hmm. uh, you are whether you like it or not, you are a full time missionary, mm-hmm. right? Um, you, you're either choosing to do it in a way that's resigned to the Lord's will mm-hmm. and in a way that's that's receptive to the gifts that He wants to give us to equip us to accomplish it, or you're mm-hmm. not. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Well, it just it the image of the manure and me being the manure that helps others grow is really the, the, the 12 and and that they were imperfect men that were utilized to transform culture and to transform the world. And the idea that I don't have to be perfect to be perfectly Mm. used by him because Mm -hmm. he is, and his grace Mm. is sufficient in my weakness. And the word that was um, on my heart is just the word dominion. I think that we, we need a, a, an understanding of who we are as Christian, that the, mm-hmm. the spirit of God lives in me and mm-hmm. I, I am called to be the lion, that I am not called to be um, the, the prey that is in this world of being attacked all the time and so scared and running away mm-hmm. and protecting, but I'm called to be the roaring lion or allow the roaring lion Amen. of Judah to live in me and to seek mm-hmm. dominion into this culture. And yeah. whether you're in an awesome culture that's already been won, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've won this culture here in Damascus. And sure. so it's easy for people to come in and just like, get formed right away. Mm-hmm. Steubenville, they've already won the culture there. And so people get it. Like the, a student goes to Franciscan University and they, they just they just get won over right away, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you're in a place where the culture hasn't been won because it wasn't easy. Like us winning the culture here initially, you know, was it, it took years of um, commitment, years of consistency, years of getting back up and wiping the dust off my my mm-hmm. clothes and and saying we're we're not giving up we're mm-hmm. forming community we we're forming a way of life and so if you're mm-hmm. if you are in Atlanta and your mm-hmm. your parishes you've got a few people that you're running with and you guys are like you're hungry to keep going there like mm-hmm. go hard go hard and win dominion mm-hmm. because if you don't have community then you can form it through the grace of the holy mm-hmm. spirit and and the there's something powerful, whether it's at your workplace, whether it's at like, go in mm-hmm. and, and bring the culture of Christ because mm-hmm. the kingdom of God is a culture and the kingdom of God lives in you. Mm-hmm. So if I, if, if I, if the kingdom of God lives in me, mm-hmm. wherever I go, I can bring the culture of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and you see the apostles doing that. They're the ones who were sent to bring the culture of the kingdom. The, mm-hmm. the problem is none of the apostles went one by one. They all mm-hmm. went at least two by two. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have one other apostle next to your side, you're going to lose the battle. Yeah, it's, it that. wasn't God's plan and it wasn't mm-hmm. his design. But when you have two, at least two, who are living the kingdom, you can bring the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, even think about the exchange of the keys to Peter, right? Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven, and you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of the netherworld will never prevail against it. He doesn't say the frontal attack of yeah, the netherworld. Yeah. He says the gates. The gates are a defensive strategy yeah. at the edge of your your defense. Yeah. Right. So so the idea that even what you're saying, the dominion, the, the pushing forward of the church, 
it's pushing the enemy back. The enemy's not pushing the church back. Yeah. And it's so clear from the ordination, like of uh, uh, the actual like placing of Peter at the head of this church, that the church would be on a a move forward, not a move backward. Well, where's the battle happening? Going back to Lord of the Rings, right? It's at the it's at the gates of hell. That's uh, yeah, where at the, the battle gates. is. We should be the ones pushing in, pushing in, pushing in. And trying to pushing. release more and more people yeah. from behind those gates. Yeah. Like I'm taking them back into the dominion of God. Mm-hmm. I'm th- like that is that's the life of the Christian faithful, yeah. right? And I think um from that too, recognizing just the infinite mercy that God has for us, I think is so important that like that I'm going to make mistakes in those in those moves forward. Like I'm just not going to do everything perfectly. I'm actually undoubtedly going to do everything imperfectly. Yeah. But I, I think that sometimes in us getting our identity out of what we do instead of who we are, we lower the bar so that we can feel good about ourselves instead of leaving the bar high and letting the Lord's mercy fill the gap. Yeah. That I want to leave the bar for mission so high that, that I, I, I pray that the Lord Jesus use me every day to bring souls to him. And any soul that I miss in a given day, I'm not gonna lower the bar and just happy talk myself of like, well, it's, a, it's okay, God. I actually just wanna say, God, I did the best I could to pour out every gift you've given me today. And anyway, I didn't use that to the fullness of what I could. I pray that your mercy fill the gap and you do what only you can do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think we have to, we, we cannot like decide not to move forward because it's gonna be imperfect and because we need to be in a place of comfort where I can tell myself good yeah. things. But we have to go forward knowing that his mercy will be there waiting for us mm-hmm. and encouraging us like a good father. Amen. Any final thoughts? Awesome. Bring it home, man. Yeah, let's pray. Um, oh, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, you've given us the nations as our inheritance and the earth as our treasure. And Lord, we pray that we would, um, man, we just are so thankful that you've allowed us to be stewards of this world with you. We're so grateful that you've um, given us a way of life as a people that just from the very foundation, you've called us to be your people, a chosen people with a particular mission. And so, Lord, we thank you that you've made covenant with us. We pray for those who feel lonely, who feel isolated. We pray for those who um, just lack community right now, Lord, and and we pray for your providence to come and to pour out into their lives. Mm -hmm. I pray for just supernatural opportunities for them to discover community, I pray for opportunities for them to to move to be in places where their families will be blessed and built up. Mm-hmm. Jesus, we pray your blessing on uh, on the mission of Catholic Youth Summer Camp this week, mm-hmm. on all of the individuals who, th- their, their parents, they themselves have said yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus, that you would take that yes and you'd multiply it. Yes, Lord. Pray your blessing on, on this show, on Pints with Aquinas, on Matt. Yeah. Uh, we're grateful for the ministry that you've called each of the four of us to, and we pray the increase here, uh, Lord Jesus, and that every one of our listeners would receive what it is that they need to accomplish the desire that you've placed in their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 You've been listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where Encounter Meets Mission. I'd encourage you to check out Matt Frad's podcast, Pints with Aquinas. It's an amazing uh, podcast. You can also check out this podcast wherever podcasts are found. And if it's blessed you today, make sure you like, subscribe, share, um, send it to friends and family members who you think um, need the, the words from this podcast to help invigorate them in living life in the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll see you.
next week. God bless.